2: What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Ha ha ha! Baby, what is up? Buffalo Fanatics! Z-Bot here. Friday night. Victory Friday night. Here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. You already know what that means. It's the Mother F and Smoke Break live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel, fresh off a Thursday night football victory for them Buffalo Bills. 24-10, your final from Foxborough last night. What a dub. The Bills finally get the monkey off their back. Their first victory in the AFC East of the 2022 season in the first of three AFC East games in December off to a hot start you love to see it Friday night here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel thanks so much for spending it with me you gotta love it it's Friday night fresh off a W and I'm sure everybody's feeling great we're heading into the weekend with a lot of amazing football ahead of us and nothing better than being able to go into the weekend already with a W in hand and you get to enjoy the rest of the slate and folks I don't know if it gets much better the whole season than what we have in store for us coming up here in week 13. I mean, there are some terrific games. And, of course, with those games, a lot of implications for the Buffalo Bills when it comes to the playoffs. I've been through it on here a few times, but let me reiterate. Bills got their job done last night. We are major San Francisco 49ers fans on Sunday as they get set to take on the Miami Dolphins. We are also major Cincinnati Bengals fans. We've been there before, haven't we? They take on the Kansas City Chiefs. If those Bengals get the job done, if the San Francisco 49ers get the job done, the Buffalo Bills are in sole possession of first place in the AFC, and they control their destiny as we move forward. How about them Buffalo Bills? 9-3 and today on December 2nd as we head into the rest of Week 13 and look forward to Week 14 and beyond. But those Patriots and their fans are not feeling nearly as good as we do here in Bills Mafia on Friday. Let's kick the show off with a little compilation of what the Patriots fans had to say after that loss last night. Now, let me preface. There is no better entertainment on the face of the planet than Boston radio after a Patriots loss to the Buffalo Bills. We got this a couple of times last season. It was amazing after the perfect game in the playoffs. Some of the greatest sound bites of all time. If you remember correctly, that was the birth of uh, the guy who, or maybe it was the game before who cares, who knows both resulted in a bills W over the past. But if you remember correctly, uh, the guy who called in to the flagship station in Boston, uh, talking about Mac Jones, and he goes, Uh, He's got a rag on, he's got a rag on. And what makes it so good is not only, you know, do you get to listen to Pat's fans cry, something we have been hoping for our whole lives up until the last couple of years here, but they have that incredible thick Boston accent that just adds it over the top courtesy of Sal Capaccio here who put this together um, on his Twitter account. Here is a compilation of those Patriots fans calling into Boston radio last night after the bills took them to town in Foxborough. Well, it's not that good of a morning buddy, but we're going to, we're going to see if we can recover from this one. Mr. Bill Belichick should be on his way out the door. He, (laughs) Thing. His ass should be out the door.
1: Mac is a horrible quarterback. Is this the guy you want? What does Bill even do well anymore?
2: Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, Thanks. it is a sad day when your only touchdown was scored by a defensive back that you had to put in on offense. Here it because it comes, Ready? He's Everything that went wrong last night are the next all things that Bill Belch used to be so good at. Prices. Will somebody talk about Mac Jones? Somebody on the stage did- Talk about a bad Mac joke.
1: Everybody knows Mac Trisha sucks.
2: I'm giving the tickets to coworkers, and I'm going to go home and fight with my wife. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to give the tickets to my coworkers and go home and fight with my wife. That poor lady. She doesn't deserve that. If you're listening, whoever that is, his wife, there. Do better. You can do better. You can do better. Oh my god! One more time. It's a Friday night. We're having fun. One more time. Let's run it. Well, it's not that good of a morning, buddy. But we're gonna we're gonna see if we can recover from this one. Mister Bill Belichick should be on his way out the door. He. Think. His should
1: be I mean, out. Could you ball. ever imagine? Mac is a horrible quarterback. Is this the guy you want? What does Bill even do well anymore?
2: Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, it is a sad day when your only touchdown was scored by a defensive back that you had to put in on offense because he's sat Everything that went wrong last night are all things that Bill Belichick used to be so good at. Will somebody talk about Mac Jones? <laughs> somebody on the stage, take- Talk about a bad Mac Jones. Oh, everybody knows Matt Patricia sucks. I'm giving the tickets to coworkers oh. and I'm going to go home and fight with my wife. <laughs> you mean you can't, you can't. Does it get better than that? There is nothing. There's no movie. There's no TV show. There's no social media content that can top Boston radio post loss to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, if you want to listen to that on loop over and over again, go over to Sal Capaccio's Twitter. He is the genius. Behind that compilation, Uh, either he put it together or somebody he knows did. He tweeted it out. If you want to find it even easier, I quote tweeted it on my account at ZBotTweets down in the left corner there. You can find it there and just play that on loop. I think instead of Christmas music going into December, I'm just going to play that nonstop at every family function. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Could you ever have imagined at any point really ever even not being a bills fan. It wouldn't have mattered. It wasn't. I mean, obviously the bills took the brunt of the Patriots greatness being in the AFC East and losing to them just about every single time they played for two decades. But every team in the NFL was scared of new England throughout those two decades. I mean, ask Steelers fans, Colts fans, chiefs fans, You name it. Was there a fan base that wasn't completely intimidated and scared by the New England Patriots? There wasn't a soul on the planet who ever thought at any point in Bill Belichick's career that there would be people calling in to Boston radio, the Patriots flagship station, just ripping Bill Belichick. He's no good. He's got to go. They're calling for Belichick's head after that game last night. I spoke yesterday on the pregame show about how there were some things that the Bills have done this season that just don't quite make sense to me. Like, you know, Naheem Hines not being plugged into the offense. Uh, the lack of utilization of Kair Elam, uh, or excuse me, Khalil Shakir, last night scratching Kair Elam. There's just things that, that'll happen that'll make you scratch your head. But I think that probably happens with every fan base. You'll, you really get a great perspective though, about how much we don't have to worry about when you listen to stuff like that. Now the people calling in about Belichick last night, obviously it's, it's the heat of the moment. And of course, Belichick, the greatest of all time, you know, you, you obviously understand that that is just ludicrous doing that, but the game plan from for last night for Bill Belichick and these new England Patriots was so inadequate. It was so inferior to just about anything you'll see on any given Sunday, Thursday, or Monday from any football team. It literally had come out that the strategy on defense last night, or on on, on offense last night, was to throw short passes to take advantage of the Bills' inability to tackle. That's your game plan going in to a major divisional matchup where you are about one game or so outside of the playoffs and a win could absolutely be pivotal to how your season pans out. That's the game plan. And you just see some of the things going on in new England, even outside of what happened last night. I mean, that to me is, is incredible how that is the game plan. Yeah. We're going to throw it short because the bills haven't been tackling all that well recently. <laughs> okay. How, are, they, are they just going to miss every single tackle, every drive until you, until you waltz into the end zone? But even outside of that, Matt Patricia calling the plays, it'll never make sense to me. It, I, don't think, I, don't think make it, I don't think it makes sense to anybody. You see Matt Jones last night on the sidelines, F-bombing, screaming, swearing. Look, I'm not a fan of Matt Jones. I'm a, I'm a Bills fan. Come on. But I got to tell you, there's a part of me that feels for that kid. You get drafted. Not only do you have to fill the shoes of Tom Brady, but you have to live up to everything that has been cemented into the Patriots' legacy up until that point, right? But you get a decent foundation without you know, an incredible roster. You have Belichick, and at that point, you had Josh McDaniels, right? Within one year, McDaniels takes the head coaching job, which he may, maybe he regrets today. I don't know how he couldn't, but he takes the head coaching job, job in Vegas for the Raiders. And Belichick decides it's going to be a mutual play calling gig between Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, which has never called an offense in his life. And that's what Matt Jones is having to deal with. And I think that's why you see the frustration from him last night in that game. He was screaming out, begging, can we throw the ball down the field? And I sympathize with that because if you watch that game, can you remember one pass from Mac Jones that traveled over 10 air yards? I I tweeted this out last night. Outside of the first drive for the Patriots where they scored on that fluke touchdown, that 50-yard screen pass to their punt returner, that was that that kid's first ever offensive snap for the Patriots. And, of course, at that point, you know, being a Bills fan – You're just like, oh, here we go, right? This is going to be a shootout. Because you saw what New England did last week uh, on Thanksgiving. They really kept pace with the Vikings. The offense looked really good. Mac Jones, maybe his best game of his career. And the Bills go down their first drive. They stall out. They kick a field goal. And the Patriots go right down. And they have a huge um, lights out 50-yard touchdown. You're thinking, all right. Outside of that play, can you... And I'm talking like you know. Don't don't think of the Poyer would have been INT. I don't even want to talk about that because I just it makes my blood boil. Uh, don't think about uh, Hamlin's hit that got him kicked out. I'll talk about. It. I want to talk about that later because that to me, they, I'm 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 really, I'm 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 edging towards a very thin line of frustration recently with the way things have been going down with these officials in the NFL. But outside of the plays that involved. The Bills. Can you legitimately remember one play outside of the 50 yard touchdown to open the the game up for the Patriots? Can you remember one play New England ran last night? That is how uninspired and just flat out bad that New England Patriots offense was last night. I had watched that whole game against the Vikings on Thanksgiving, and I was overly impressed with their ability to move the ball down the field through the air. I was, I was incredibly impressed. I had never seen that from Mac Jones. Just south of 400 yards, I think he had three touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. It was really impressive. You saw the Bills go toe-to-toe with Detroit all the way to the end, and you saw that the Patriots were the next game on the schedule, and you're thinking, hey, I mean, this is going to be a dogfight. New England didn't show up tonight. So to listen to those Patriots fans, and of course, everything you say in those moments, and we're all guilty of this, too. I mean, I I say this a million times a show. You go look at my Twitter account throughout the course of a game, and it's just nonsense because, you know, that's your emotions in the middle of a 60-minute game. But you listen to those guys, and you you, kind of sympathize with the frustration after you watch what you saw from New England last night. They didn't even put up a fight. They never got out of the locker room. They had one good play the whole game. It was on their first drive, and that was it, man. I mean, the Bills, and we all know this, they didn't play nearly 100% last night. They left a ton of points on the field. That game, if the Bills were really clicking on all cylinders and capitalizing on on more opportunities that they had to score, I mean, that game could have been over like that. I mean, that game could have been a a replication of what we saw in last year's wildcard round. I mean, that's really what it was. The Bills did a great job last night in a variety of different areas, but a lot of that game came down to the Patriots just flat out not being able to do anything. And I'm not entirely sure if it wasn't being able to do it or they just didn't do it at all. There was just it, it, me and my dad kept harping on this last night. And, and this is fine. Sometimes, you know, not every game is going to be the Vikings game where you're having a heart attack every 30 seconds, you're sweating, you're pacing. Uh, we, we get a lot of that, don't we? We got it on Thanksgiving. We got it against the Vikings. Uh, we get it against the Chiefs earlier in the year. It happens frequently. Uh, last night's game was incredibly boring. If you weren't a Bills fan, I could see you falling asleep in the middle of that game. Now that to us Bills fans, and, and I was you know talking to my dad last night, I hate boring games. They're not as fun. But now, of course, we're 24 hours removed and you kind of just let your mid-game emotions drift away. And looking back on it, the Bills don't really win that way very often. And that was very encouraging to see last night. They won in a very boring fashion. Now, of course, there were plenty of plays that were the opposite of boring. Josh Allen fading out of the end zone, touchdown to Gabe Davis. Top 10 play this whole season, no debate. Un- I just, I mean. I, you know, like there's no, there's no words to categorize that play. Um, the flip pass to Naheem Hines for a first down on third down where Allen's getting sacked near the line of scrimmage, right? Just, just there, there was, there was a handful of, of lights out plays yesterday, but the overall game was very boring. The bills had the ball almost the entire game. It felt as far as the clock was concerned and they ran the hell out of that damn ball without having to have Josh Allen lead the run game. So was it a boring watch outside of a couple of plays? Yeah, it was. It was. But to see the Bills be able to win a game like that is very encouraging. We have seen this season, and I think this is a lot different than last year. We have seen this season the Bills' ability to win games in a variety of different ways. We've seen several absolute blowouts mostly in the beginning of the year we've seen games where the bills play really poorly in the first half and find a way to get it in gear in the second half and come back and win of course the ravens game comes to mind we see the game. we see games where they come out lights out in the first half they dwindle out in the second half and they still find a way to win and then we see games like last night where they completely dictate the entire game they don't necessarily blow you out, but there wasn't a moment in that game outside of the first quarter, really, where you ever felt that New England was ever going to be able to do anything to keep this game competitive for the full 60 minutes. Nothing. There was nothing New England showed. Went back and forth with my dad last night, especially towards the end of the second half and then going into, or excuse me, the end of the first half and then going into the beginning of the second half. You, you, you were hoping you got some points there and the Bills weren't able to capitalize uh, in positions where they typically do, like right before the, the first half, there uh, a, a last minute two minute drive. Uh, Josh Allen gets strip sacked. First of all, it, that that's just no fault of his own. That that was the O line at, at times last night where it was you know, yeah. But they're banged up, and you saw last night. You you if you didn't know already, you saw last night how much Deion Dawkins means to this team. But there were moments last night where you're like, man, you know, you really wish the Bills could have capitalized, added more points, and really put this one away earlier. But even then, y- you just never felt like the Patriots were going to be able to do anything. My dad kept saying, man, they need to get at least another field goal or a touchdown here, and I'll feel better. And I said, I got to tell you, man. I don't think they got to do another thing the rest of the game because it was 17 to seven at that point. I said, do you, do you seriously see anything from this new England offense right now that makes you believe they can score another touchdown? They have one on the board and it was a 50 yard broken play from a kid who's never even played on offense before the rest of the game. It was never even close. The bills realistically could have just taken a knee. It felt like the rest of the second half and that game still would have ended With a Bills W. I mean, that's just the type of game it was last night. Yes, the Bills played great. But good God, I understand the frustration from those Patriots fans on the radio call-ins there. Because, I mean, there was not a single positive that you could take away last night as a Patriots fan. Not a single one. They've had worse losses. Of course. Not too long ago against our own Buffalo Bills. But that was about as disheartening of a loss as the Patriots could have suffered. Brutal. I see we're talking about my man, Questenberry, my main man, Rico, coming in and bringing him up. Cristobal bringing him up. <sighs> yeah, so of course, right before the half is that fumble I was talking about where the Bills could have put more points on the board and carried the momentum into the half and then get the ball back to start the half, and it just felt like the game was going to be over right there. Um, but Questenberry is hurt. There's no question. He was hurt going into the game, and then after the first series, you saw him on the sidelines getting stretched out on the table. There's a couple ways to look at this, and there's a real unfortunate reality when it comes to playing in the NFL. If you're hurt, but you are in the game, nobody cares that you're hurt. That is the unfortunate reality of this league. If you're in the game, then no one cares if you're banged up. If you're actually hurt, right, to an extent in which you can't play, you're not on the field. That's, you well, know, that's the way it goes. But if you do play, and, and this is true, if you do play, despite how badly you could be injured, there's nobody who who cares. You're not going to be like, oh, well, he's hurt. So just let him get absolutely cooked on the edge and and, and put Josh Allen uh in way of a, of a monster truck every other snap. I have to be sympathetic to the situation. Questenberry really had to step up because Deion Dawkins was not able to go. So you got to give credit to Questenberry last night for the amount of heart display. That team really needed him out there without Deion Dawkins, and he was able to fill the position, and it never wound up really costing them too much. If this game was different, I'd obviously have a whole different sentiment here but he was a serviceable enough player last night to be able to get the bills out of there. With that said, that was about as bad of an old line performance as I've seen. And this goes back to my point earlier, where if you're hurt and you're in the game, no one really cares. And last night in the heat of the moment, and you watch him fall flat back on his, on his, on his rear end, without even getting touched, you see him getting beat without even getting a hand on a guy, and you see the amount of times that resulted in Josh Allen getting rocked was very concerning. So I think you learned a couple of things last night. Two things can be true. You can have a hell of a lot of heart for being in there for your team when you're needed, but the truth is, you gotta be able to perform if you're in there. And two, Deion Dawkins is just he is more pivotal to this team than most people realize. That is the position, of course, in the NFL, that is the least valued from, the, from fan bases, it, it, the, 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 the trenches. But Deion Dawkins is a major, major cornerstone to this team, and you notice instantly when he's not in there how much different things are. I, I mean, look, last night for Questenberry, for, for it was brutal. It was terrible. But they were really out of options. And you could tell he was incredibly hurt. Um, I think they did a good job of navigating around it to some extent. Josh Allen got rid of the ball awfully quick last night. And they really did utilize that short game. They also ran the ball very well up the middle. They didn't attack that edge all that often. And when they did, it didn't work. There was nothing going on on the outside there. It's just funny how you'd look at things differently after a win or a loss. If the Bills lose that, so say, you know, Questenberry gets cooked on that play, Josh Allen fumbles, the Patriots take over, and that really flipped the game. Well, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here being awfully more critical, right? But this is the reality as well of the NFL. There are going to be games where you have got to plug in guys who are hurt, and you have got to be able to find a way without your top guys. And last night you 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 see. The Bills come together on offense without Deion Dawkins with Questenberry in there, who, you know, let's let's face it, probably shouldn't have been, wouldn't have been, if he didn't need to be, if he wasn't absolutely needed to be on, on the line last night. You you realize the the how much goes into being able to win games when you are when you're down guys. And last night the Bills did exactly what they needed to do and found different ways to exploit the Patriots defense despite the amount of issues that I think were caused due to inept O-line play, in particular, Questenberry there. The one big concern, I think, last night when it comes to that O-line play, and, I'll, and and it's not just that, too. It's also Josh Allen and, and you know, his his just – what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, his uh, – it's not inability. It's refusal, I guess, to go down. Like, like when he tried to leap over the guy last night, and uh, a Patriots player, his helmet literally went right into Josh Allen's balls. I mean, that couldn't have felt great. I hope he was wearing his cup. <laughs> but Josh Allen last night got hit harder and I think more frequently than he has all year. And they talked about it a little bit on the post game last night. I think uh, it was Tony Gonzalez who brought it up to Josh Allen. He, and, you know, Allen just said, like, "Oh, that's football. You got You got to just really be in awe of the fact that he can get hit the way he does and and just get up, I'm never going to be upset about it until I have to be. I mean, I cringe every time, but God, I mean, it's been, what, years now, and the dude just gets hit, and he loves it. I think he genuinely loves it. It's wild. I saw Rico coming in here. What's he saying? He goes, James, oh, okay, Rico's switching it up. Rico's giving me some topics. He's giving me good transition points. To put a bow on the Questenberry thing now, look, I think it just it, it was a reality of the situation last night. Dawkins can't go. He probably should not have been out there. He had to be out there, tip the cap to the heart and the ability to stay in there. The reality, it wasn't good because he was hurt. It didn't wind up costing him. Hopefully, that isn't an issue to look for to, to be uh, concerned about moving forward. We all know it was bad but we also know the circumstance behind it. Rico saying James Cook had 20 touches last night. Didn't look bad at all. How you feel about that, Z-Bot? How you feel about that, Rico? Huh? He's looking a little bit like your boy Brees Hall last night, my man James Cook did. Rico says, "Do do you like that dynamic of Cook getting majority of touches over Devin? I think it was more this game plan. Game plan last night was incredibly interesting. And if you listen closely to the broadcast, I think Street brought it up a handful of times where it was a game plan in which no one, including the Patriots, were expecting to see. And that is the Bills basically playing 1950 style football, milking the hell out of the clock, running it almost every play right up the middle, right into your face, and methodically getting down the field and wound up putting up points based on that got to get to James uh, super chat real quick before I continue my thought on that. James saying, why was Elam a healthy scratch Z about any info? I have no clue. We were talking about this last night. I have no idea. I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know if any of you guys know, maybe I missed something. My, my take on it. If we don't know anything by now and I haven't seen anything, uh, we'll probably never know. Right. We'll just never. That's the way these things go. You'll just never really know why. And, It didn't matter last night, that's for sure. Like I said, did a ball travel more than 10 yards through the air? I don't think so. I could have been playing corner last night. I don't think it would have mattered. Back to Rico and and our man James Cook there. So let's talk about the game plan for the Buffalo Bills last night. It was not, hey, Josh Allen, do what you do every week and put this team on your back and and just play like a – a freak who was built in a lab up in heaven and then descended down from the gods and entrenches himself within this Buffalo Bills team and does his wizardry. You know, whatever. I mean, seriously, that's what it is. And that's what this team expects. If you, if you watch us on the post game or the pregame last night, we brought this up. If you didn't, let me circle back to this. Greg Cosell, legendary NFL films uh, employee who has been covering the NFL for decades and all he does all day long is watch film, break it down and tell you what he sees. We as bills fans, you know, we are all in on the hype with this bill's offense because we see what they're capable of. We've seen what they've done, but he made a really interesting point that kind of went viral on bills Twitter. And I think it was a very accurate point. And, And that is that this bill's offense is seemingly elite or the best in the league or amongst everybody who watches the the NFL, they watch the bills and they just think, boom, that's as good as it gets on offense. It it seems that way because of Josh Allen's greatness, the bills offense, when you really break it down, it's just, it's not as talented as people think it's Stefan Diggs, It's Josh Allen. And it's a lot of role players. It is a reality. It is the truth. It's nothing to be upset about. It just shows you how incredibly gifted our quarterback is. You think about it, though. That's Think about, like, with the 49ers, right? Jimmy G doesn't have to be anything but a role player for that offense to hum. You got Debo Samuel. You got Brandon I.U coming up to be one of the better young wide receivers. You add Christian McCaffrey. You have one of the greatest tight ends to ever play in George Kittle not to mention you might have the best defense in the league on the other side of the ball. The Niners are a team. It's a perfect example of a team that can get by on their talent with a guy at quarterback who all he has to do is just not lose you the game. It's funny, though, if you look at the roster for the 49ers offense and you compare it to the Bills roster on offense, say it just said Team A and Team B, right? Right? You take away the, the, the logos, the uniforms, the pre-existing notions. You look at the roster side by side, and you look at that Niners roster, and you, you're, thinking that's a, you're thinking that's a Pro Bowl lineup. But what's the perception amongst all NFL fans? It's that the Buffalo Bills offense is leaps and bounds better than the San Francisco 49ers. Why is that? Because the San Francisco 49ers have Jimmy Garoppolo, and the Buffalo Bills have Josh Allen. Josh Allen's talent is so elite that he makes this offense be perceived to be a lot more talented than it actually is. And and I and I don't want to I don't want to make this seem like it's a bad thing. I don't think Greg Cosell was either. I think his whole point was, look, it, the, the 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 point I'm making here is that Josh Allen is just that good, man. Like that that you you don't you understand how in, incredible it is to be so good at something that it makes everybody else around you seemingly be that good as well. You throw Jimmy G on the Buffalo Bills. I don't know, man. Right? Think about that. I don't know, and frankly, I don't want to know, and I never want to know. And with that talent, you see time and time again, the Bills just have to rely on it completely in order to win games. And that's why last night was incredibly refreshing. Earlier in the show, I had mentioned how the Bills are now finding ways to win differently. Last night was a style of victory that I think going you know, through the, the beginning of the year, you would, you would not think the Bills were going to be capable of developing. It just seems like ever since Josh Allen has been on this team, it's going to have to be win with Josh Allen, lose with Josh Allen. Now, of course, Josh Allen last night, very good game. Over you compare his game last night, compared to the last several after the bye. That was about as good as it gets from Josh Allen last night. No INTs. Yes, he had the fumble. No fault of his own, really. Blind side, absolutely nailed from the back. Questenberry got burnt, never touched the guy. It, I mean, you really can only put so much fault on Josh Allen there but a terrifically efficient game through the air. One of the greatest touchdown passes of the entire season. It was a very good day for Josh Allen last night, but it really ultimately wasn't the uh, the exclusive reason the Bills won. The Bills really were able to win this game last night in a fashion where it felt like they never were going to lose it despite only scoring 24 points. It was because... Of the game plan. And the game plan was we are going to run smash mouth style offense where we milk the clock and methodically move down the field. The Bills had 30, over 38 minutes of possession time last night. The Patriots had just over 21 minutes. The Bills controlled the entire game. And it was completely due. To the incredible rushing performance and the Bills and, frankly, Ken Dorsey, their ability to not waver away from it. We've seen that happen. And this goes back to me being puzzled at times as to what they, what they do and why they do it on a weekly basis. We have now seen that when James Cook gets involved heavily with this offense, he is a major difference maker. Led the team in carries last night with 14, 64 yards, including that beautiful 28-yard long rush. And he also was very pivotal in the pass game, which is exactly what they drafted him for. We know the Bills went out into the draft, and they tried to in free agency in the offseason to find a pass catching back that could complement what this offense is all about, and that's throwing the ball. You get 64 yards on the ground on 14 carries last night for James Cook, and then he's second, only to Stephon Diggs, in receptions. Six receptions, 41 yards. So over 100 all-purpose yards for what in the hell? God, that scared the shit out of me. Oh, if you if you're sitting on like, a, like a, a website for too long, and they have the ads, they won't play them, and then all of a sudden they'll just play. I mean, that is. Mm. Scared the shit out of me. Oh, my God. Anyway, God. James Cook, he was involved in, he, he, he touched the ball on 20 plays last night. 20 plays for over 100 all-purpose yards. And I love it. To round back to what Rico was asking me, what are your thoughts on the game plan being very centered around not only the run game, but being very centered around getting James Cook the ball? I love it. We saw this a couple of weeks ago against the uh, Cleveland Browns. And it was great. The first time all year that James Cook has had an opportunity to be a major part of the offense and he shined. Him and Singletary did. Just like they did last night. They both had Just about the same amount of carries, 14 for Cook, 13 for Singletary. Now, you look at the numbers, they're not mind-blowing. Only 51 yards for Singletary, 64 for James Cook. But it's not the numbers that you need to look at when 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 you're looking at this game. The box score isn't very telling as to what we saw. What we saw was dominance in the trenches, despite not having Deion Dawkins. I mean, I know it was rough last night at times. With Josh Allen when he dropped back, I know it was incredibly rough at times trying to run on the outside or getting really anything going on the outside. But in the middle last night, the Bills owned and dominated it, really. And even though the numbers aren't just mind blowing, if you watch the game, you understand that that style of play last night was exactly what they needed to do to get in and out of there with a victory where they never really had to worry. And it's really encouraging. And, and I had kept, I, I had been pounding the table over the last couple of weeks. Have you been in with me the last few weeks? What have I been asking for? Consistency. I have been asking for 60 minutes of consistent football. Now, what does that mean? It, it, it does. It, it, most people think that means uh, what we saw against the Patriots in the wild card game last year. That is inconsistency. You know what that is? Absurdity. I mean, you're never going to see that again. Seven possessions, seven touchdowns. It's quite literally the definition of consistent, but that is never going to happen again. I mean, what you witnessed that night was an anomaly and one of the greatest anomalies you'll see. I will never forget it. I was in the stadium for it was one of the greatest nights of my fan, my fandom. I'll never forget that night. But good God, they want to know why? Because good God, I know for a fact, I'll never see it again. What I'm talking about when I I talk about consistency, I'm talking about sticking to your game plan for a full 60 minutes and running it in an efficient manner that winds up benefiting you throughout the duration of the game. And that is exactly what happened last night. They stuck to the run. It helped them keep the ball in the hands of the offense for nearly 20 more minutes than New England last night. And they also had a great blend of not only sticking to that run game, but of course giving Josh Allen his opportunities to shine. 37 rushes and 33 passing attempts. That is as, it is as perfect of a blend as you would want. And the beauty of that is Josh Allen didn't lead the way on the ground. Like we were typically seeing. And I'm, I'm personally shocked by that. I thought last night, with the struggles that New England had displayed against the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields and the struggles they displayed against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I was under the impression that last night was going to be a very run-heavy day for Josh Allen because the Patriots could not stop the two most mobile quarterbacks that they had seen up until that point last night. Josh Allen only, only averaged two and a half yards a carry last night. He never really broke loose for a for a major one. The longest rush he had all night was the one I was talking about earlier where he got knocked in the balls by a Patriots helmet, and that was only eight yards. 33 pass attempts, 37 rush attempts, and you win by 14. Josh Allen didn't have to throw for 350 and four scores. And, you know, you you didn't have to rely on him every single snap to be able to get out of there with a dub. So when I'm talking about consistency, I think last night, that is about as good as you'll see when it comes to that. And that's why I felt last night after that win, as satisfied about a victory as I have since week six against the Chiefs. I haven't felt all that great about a victory since the bye. And I think we all kind of share that sentiment. There were things throughout every one of those games that kind of just made you say, ah, it just doesn't feel right. And although last night could be very boring at times and there were elements of the game that you were just like, come on, you know, Get the score before the half. You know, Barry gets burnt, Allen fumbles it. You know, that's, that's a major uh, point that I think sticks out. Or, you know, settling for three after you get all the way down the field uh, on the first drive, you take a sack and a penalty, and then you're out of the ability to get a first down and move the, move the drive along. There were, there were elements, of course. But last night, I think that they played a style of play that was exactly adequate to what they were looking to accomplish last night. Because think about it. They have played three road games in 12 days. That is absurd. It is absurd. And this kind of goes back to the point I made on Monday where I had said we have been overly critical of this team. And that's not to say that there hasn't been things well-deserving of criticism. And I went through all of those on Monday. I'm not going to rehash them. But what I meant by that is we have been putting this team on a pedestal that no team should ever be on. We had been comparing them to what we had saw earlier on in the year, and they were playing games at a clip that was never, ever going to be sustainable. It just wasn't. And post by here, we have seen you know a variety of different types of games, and I just think that when you're talking about looking at this team right now and trying to find criticism, you can definitely do it. But when you really get down to it, We're talking about human beings here who just played three NFL football games all on the road within 12 days. The beginning of that stretch, they dealt with a historic snowstorm in Buffalo that jeopardized their ability to play at home. They ultimately didn't play at home, so they lose a home game. It jeopardizes the ability to even be able to travel to Detroit to play that game, they have to have neighbors come over with their John Deeres to shovel them out of the driveway so they can get to the game. They don't fly to Detroit until the day before. They play the game, they go back home, immediately two days later, got to fly all the way back to Detroit, play on a holiday. Against the Detroit Lions team that has been resurging. That is the best Detroit Lions team. Maybe, I mean, not in my lifetime because, they're you know, the Calvin Johnson days were good. They made the playoffs, I think, once out of that. This is as good as the Detroit Lions have been in a very long time is what I'm saying. At this point in the season right now, that is as good of a Detroit Lions team as I have seen in a very long time. And they caught them on a hot streak. <laughs> Bill's a away on a holiday after all of that. Then you go back home and you, you play on a Thursday Typically that means you get a mini buy. Nope. You play another Thursday game a week later on the road in primetime. And it just so happens to be against your division rival. And guess what? In throughout all of that, throughout all of that three and zero. so last night you play a style of play that wasn't sexy at all. It was very reminiscent of vintage old school, John Madden type football. But it was executed terrifically. It was exactly what they needed. And now they get out of that game with a much-deserved 10 days off. Now, of course, all 10 days aren't off. But think about it. From last night until probably Sunday, the boys are kicking their feet up. And, man, does anybody deserve it more right now than this team after what they have gone through over the last week and a half? So I thought just last night, yes, there was elements of it that were just boring and just kind of whatever. But come on, I mean, it, you really just sit here and think about all of it. How about the resiliency? And this comes back to me saying, man, we're just being a little too critical here. That is a lot of shit to go through in twelve days, and none of that even, none of that even, uh. None of that even brings to the forefront the fact that you are actually playing NFL football and you are doing so after probably the roughest stretch of your season so far. They went into that after two straight losses and two absolutely gut punching losses at that. Think about the resiliency. Not only did they go through all the stuff I just mentioned, the snowstorm, the 12 days, all on the road, the travel, all that BS. They did all of that. They won all three of those games coming off two absolute backbreaking L's. Heartbreakers. They had so much to be discouraged about going into these three. And the resiliency and the culture of this team was shown yet, yet again. Yet again. A lot to be proud of, I think, as a Bills fan today. Richard coming in. Super chat. Appreciate you, Rich. He says, any idea what happened to Elam? Uh, why was he benched? Yeah, so if you're just joining Richard, I think uh, somebody asked it earlier. It might have been Scotty. I forget who. Somebody did. I, I don't think we know. I, I know I personally don't. No one has come in here and, and told me differently. We didn't know at the time of the scratch last night, and to my knowledge, we don't know now. I just I don't know. And I, like I said earlier, I, I don't know if we'll ever know. And it'll be interesting to see if he's out there against the Jets next week. I have no clue. I really don't. Um, especially because you know that the the big Achilles heel in that position as of late has been Dane Jackson. And uh, if you listen to our pregame show last night, we had Kev Syracuse out and he had some great stats alluding to how well Elam has been playing when he's been out there. So I really have no idea. I don't. Let's talk more about that game plan last night because not only did it result in the W and not only was it refreshing to see the Bills ability to win in that style, but it was also a lot different than we've seen from this Bills team all year. And it kind of just goes back to my confusion as to why they don't try and, and capitalize on what they have at their disposal and this type of game plan more often. As I had mentioned earlier, James Cook and Devin Singletary had a really efficient day on the ground against the Cleveland Browns. And then the following week against the Detroit Lions, James Cook had what two carries just non-existent. (laughs) and So you go from a great game, your best game of your young career here in your rookie year. Then following that, you don't touch the ball. And then the week after you get 20 carries, then you're probably the biggest cornerstone on this team last night on the offensive side of things outside of Stefan Diggs. So I just don't know. But what I do know is, man, there's a lot to be excited about with the future of James Cook. When he gets that ball in his hands, man, he is fun to watch. That dude can move, man. And they got him humming not only on the ground last night, but also in the past game. And with the inability recently for the Bills to take advantage of the middle of the field while throwing the ball, with the lack of a slot presence that we know has been left behind with the departure of Cole Beasley this season, it was great to see James Cook get as involved last night in the pass game as he did. There were multiple times last night where he was an incredible safety valve for Josh Allen and it wound up resulting in in small chunk plays that chipped them down the field. That's, all, that's ultimately how they wound up scoring their points last night. They'd run, they'd run a dump pass here. So, you know, you're, you're talking what? Uh, you know, five-yard rush here, two-yard rush here, dump off to James Cook, first down, and then you just kind of do similar stuff like that over and over and over again. And next thing you know, you're in the end zone. So the game plan last night, it, it, it had a lot of different elements. For starters, I think the most noticeable, the most noticeable thing was the cycling of the, um, of the running personnel. We saw some of this in Cleveland, but I think last night it was even more prevalent. You know, James Cook would get, a, would get a carry or two, he'd come out. Singletary gets a carry or two, he'd come out. And then we saw more Naheem Hines on the field last night than we have since they've signed him. In the beginning of the game, I think he was in motion on what? 300 plays? It felt like every time the Bills snapped the ball, Naeem Hines was in some sort of motion in the backfield. They didn't give him the ball once on it. But it was it was nice to see that there seems to be some additional wrinkles to this offense, decoys or not, giving him the ball or not, that incorporates the addition of Naeem Hines. I like to see that. Now, he only had two carries last night on the ground and one catch. Minus three yards on those rushes. The reason those rushes didn't result in anything, the two rushes they did give him were in the red zone going to the outside on Questenberry's side where he was getting cooked all day and they were two terrible play calls. I could not believe that Dorsey went back to that well again on their second red zone trip. He had did it the first time. It did not work. It blew up in the backfield and they did it again the following drive and it was the same result. If I had to pinpoint one thing last night from Dorsey's play calling, it was that. There was never going to be an ability to run on the outside. It just was not there. They were getting destroyed on the outside on the line. The run game was terrific up the middle. And I think that that's where you'd like to see perhaps Hines get an opportunity. I understand that he's a different type of back and you might want to utilize him in a different manner than you would Cook or Singletary, but it just didn't really do him any favors running him to the outside. But he had an extraordinary play last night for a first down. If you remember, it was probably the second most electric play of the game for the bills outside of, of course, Josh Allen's highlight reel touchdown to Gabe Davis, Josh Allen's rolling to the right side, similar to that touchdown to game Gabe Davis, and he's about to get sacked. And as he is in the grasp of the tackle, he flips it kind of like a a shortstop making a double play to Naheem Hines. And it was an awesome play. And that resulted in uh, in 21 yards. Which looking at the stat here, I, I didn't even realize it was that great. I mean, that's that's a major chunk of yardage on a play like that that should have been, been a sack. So I think what you see last night is that they are now moving towards trying to utilize all of the assets that they have in this, you know, on this offensive roster. And we've seen now over the last few weeks different guys step up. And we've talked about this and it kind of goes back to the point earlier that Greg Cosell made that I was touching on where it seems to be a lot of Josh Allen, a lot of Stefan Diggs, and a lot of just not a whole, not a whole lot else, but we've seen, you know, on Thanksgiving, Isaiah McKenzie steps up and has a great day. The week before Dawson Knox finally has a big day. Um, So we've seen flashes. Ultimately, I just wonder if we're coming to the conclusion now. And I think this is fine. I'm just wondering if we're coming to the conclusion now where the way we saw the Bills win last night might be the style that we can come to expect more than we can come to expect what we saw the first few weeks of the season against the Titans, the Rams, the Steelers. I'm just wondering if that's more realistic right now. And look, either way, both results in, both have resulted in W. So I really do not care. I mean, this team can go out there and play a style that puts everyone in the world to sleep. If it's getting them closer to the one seed, If it's getting them closer to home playoff games and ultimately getting them closer to making a Super Bowl, I don't give a shit what they do. I seriously don't. There was a lot of things last night that I think that we can take away as Bill's fans and say, Hey, really cool to see different elements of this team that we're not used to seeing and don't get it twisted either. I we talked a lot about the run game and the, and the, uh, you know, the game plan being centered around it, but Hey, you know, Josh Allen, who has had his struggles as of late, you know, played a really efficient game last night. He really did. It was about his high, I think this was his higher, highest quarterback rating in weeks, or one of them. It's one of his two highest quarterback ratings since the bye last night. No picks, which, you know, over the last three games, he's only had one pick from the Cleveland game, the Detroit game. And now this game against the Patriots, he has one pick in that span, which we know prior to that, he had had three straight games with two picks per game. The one pick he had against Detroit, it was deflected. You can make your argument.
1: And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But, you know, it was probably the least egregious pick he has had over the last several weeks. But in three weeks now, one pick. So we're seeing that kind of be phased out, which was crucial. Another thing last night that I think you looked at and were satisfied with was the fact that they got in the end zone twice in the red zone, an area that has been concerning for the Bills recently and an area where Josh Allen has had his struggles since the bye week. Great play to Stefan Diggs, who now seems to just be an automatic touchdown a game type guy, really. I mean, even when he's not getting involved, like you'd like you'd want him to like, the game against Detroit on Thanksgiving, he's still getting in the end zone. And last night, a very, uh, a very noticeable upgrade as far as the efficiency is concerned in getting the ball to Stephon Diggs. Because in that Detroit game, even though he did have a decent day, it wasn't efficient at all. Josh Allen had targeted him 15 times and he had eight catches on those 15 targets. He had nearly as many receptions last night, seven on only nine targets. 92 yards on those seven catches and a touchdown. I mean, that is just an incredibly efficient day from Stefan Diggs last night, and just another guy. I know there's arguments all the time, and I think that they're fair because you watch Justin Jefferson and he's just incredible, and you and you watch some of these receivers in the league. But you know, there, there's a couple arguments to be had. Tyreek Hill and his his um, impact that he has on the on the Dolphins, and like I had just mentioned. Um, with Justin Jefferson and his impact on the Vikings, Travis Kelsey and his impact on the Chiefs. But, you know, Stephon Diggs is on a very, very, very short list of of wide receivers where there's just, is there really anybody else at that position more pivotal to their team's success than that of Stephon Diggs? I think that list is about what I just said right there, right? Kelsey, Tyreek, and, and you know, Diggs, really. And when you get down to it, I mean, with with uh, the Dolphins, if they can't get it to Tua or to Tyreek, they can get it to Jalen Waddle. Um, you look at the Vikings, and I think that they're more similar in the, to the Bills situation than that of the uh, the Dolphin situation. And then with the uh, the Chiefs, I just think that they're in a different category because their offense is is run by. Uh, Andy Reid, and I just think that there's no debating that their offense is, is more creative and definitely more in, innovative than the Bills is. I mean, that, th- but that's to be said about the Chiefs compared to anybody. They just do things differently on offense compared to everybody else. And I think that the one thing that you can you know really notice when it comes to the difference between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, I do think Patrick Mahomes is better at elevating guys on the roster at the wide receiver position that aren't necessarily world beaters. I mean, we've seen Patrick Mahomes take on a whole new wide receiver core this year for the most part, and they're clicking as good today as they were last year. But with that said, he also has the greatest tight end to probably ever play the game too, so that doesn't hurt. But we we do realize just how much Josh Allen relies on Stefan Diggs, and I think getting a game in last night where you don't target him Nearly half your throws, and you still get as efficient of a game and as and as good of a statistic line as you did last night from Stefan Diggs. That is about exactly what you want to see, unless of course you see a stat line where he's going absolutely off and he's got 14 catches, 200 yards, and two scores. You don't. It wouldn't hurt to see that, but in a game like last night, where the goal really seemed to just you know maintain possession methodically move down the field and win that way. That stat line from Stefan Diggs last night is about as good as you're going to see in that type of situation. That's for sure. And this is a good point too, that Sarah's coming in here and saying, or maybe Andy Reid is just better at scheming guys open. Yeah. I don't deny that. That's for sure. I mean, the, the offense run by the Kansas city chiefs and under Andy Reid, it's why Andy Reid is a surefire first ballot hall of famer and all, you know, really one of the greatest offense, not only the great, one of the greatest coaches ever, but really on a very short list of one of the greatest offensive coaches ever. And when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, they are incredibly good at utilizing whoever they have on that roster. And I think that's a good point too. I think that's very accurate. We've seen some crazy plays from the Chiefs over the years that no one has run prior to them doing it. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. Andy Reid takes advantage of anybody he has on that side of, on that side of things. Um, it's just a different style, but hey, you know, if you're winning games, do not care. A lot of people have been critical of Ken Dorsey as of late. And, uh, you know, I think that there's there's some, there's some truth to that, as there is with everything, you know, the criticism for Josh Allen, the criticism on the Bills' uh, defensive side of things, not only defending the run, and then it went to, you know, defending the top wide receiver for uh, several opponents. There's been criticism all over the place, and Dorsey has been no stranger to it. But I think last night you were able to see that Ken Dorsey is able to run different styles of offenses, that wind up being beneficial to the bills overall throughout the game. That was another, you know, feather in the cap. I think last night from that game plan, it was Dorsey's decision to run the game the way they did. And I just think that it was encouraging to see that throughout the last few games where he has gotten a great deal of criticism, he showed a different element to his game last night or to his coaching style last night, rather James coming in with a super chat. He's saying we have the best D line in the NFL size, speed, and strength and depth. Even without Vaughn in there, I will take this D-line over anybody else in the league. I think you can argue probably, you know, who's the best, who's the worst uh, on the D-line. I don't know if there's much of an argument when it comes to the depth, and that's where James is spot on here. The Bills' depth on the D-line is really why they're holding their head above water over the last several weeks on the defensive side of things. I mean, think about it. They have been, they have been interchangeably getting injured on the D-line, and like last night, uh, to James's point here, Von Miller is missing, but you get Greg Rousseau back, and he had a couple of great plays last night. Um, you're definitely spot on there. This defensive line is special, not only in the fact that when they are healthy, they're very easily, you know, top three, arguably top one at the positional group, but this depth is just—it uh, is so key right now. The Bills have not dealt with this type of injury bug under Josh Allen, really. This year has been very, very tough in that department. It seems like almost every single pivotal player on this team this year has suffered some sort of injury. I mean, think about it. Knock on some damn wood. And when I say knock, I mean knock. But, you know, Stephon Diggs, really, he's the only guy that comes to mind that really has not been hurt. But anybody else that has been a major influence on this team has been hurt to some extent. But the depth to James's point, right? We got Epineza back when he was out. We got Rousseau back from when he was out. Ed Oliver was out for a bit. He played incredibly against the uh the Detroit Lions. Von Miller is out now, but up until that point, he's been great. We'll get him back for the playoffs, hopefully. And with a fresh Von Miller, who knows how great that could be. We've seen. Tremaine Edmonds out. We've seen Matt Milano out hideout for the year. Players missed several games. Tredavious White now back. And hey, how about that out of all the things last night? My dad had said to me last night, he goes, man, I haven't heard Tredavious White's uh, name once tonight. I go, good. The less you're hearing about a cornerback throughout the game, the better, because the more they're talking about a cornerback, the more that probably means that guy is getting cooked. Great to see Trey White after a limited snap count against the Lions back to almost complete, uh, almost a complete full snap count last night on the defensive side of things. So great to have him back, and I think you're really going to notice his impact in a couple of weeks when the Bills take on the loaded wide receiver core of the Miami Dolphins. That's where you're really going to notice how much we've missed Trey White. That is for sure. 24-10 once again the final and the Bills are now 9 and 3. And it's interesting as we look forward here to week 13 because as I had said at the top of the show it just this is really one of the greatest weekends of NFL football this whole season. I mean so much so that no one's even really talking about the fact that Deshaun Watson's making his NFL debut for the uh Cleveland Browns this weekend against his former team the Houston Texans the biggest storyline of the whole offseason to Sean Watson is almost being overshadowed this weekend because of how many great games there are I mean this slate's extraordinary Jets Vikings Titans Eagles 49ers Dolphins Rams Seahawks which I mean it used to it, it could be good I don't know if it's as good as it looks but then of course Chiefs Bengals Raiders-Chargers is always a good interdivisional game. Bucks-Saints Monday night, that's always a good interdivisional game. And as bad as that division is, every single team within it is still within a, a fighting chance of winning that division. So that's a good one, even though the records might not indicate it. A lot of great football this weekend and a lot of impactful football when it comes to the playoffs as we move closer to it. Like I said earlier, and if you're just joining throughout the show here and you're unaware, the Bills can be the number one seed in the AFC if a couple of things happen. And those two things are the 49ers beating the Dolphins and the Bengals beating the Chiefs. Now, I want to put that into perspective for you, because when I tweeted out the playoff simulator, a lot of people, you know, there were two responses that were mostly what I got. One was, wow, I didn't know that. And two. Good luck. A lot of ifs there. I I, I kept getting that response. A lot of ifs there, brother. A lot of stuff's got to happen. Making it seem like it was just some unbelievable uh, recipe that I had cooked up to try to shove the bills into the one seed. Well, uh, let's start with with the Niners. The game is in San Francisco. The Niners are playing probably the best football in the NFC right now. The Dolphins, despite how hot they have been, have played four or or so of the worst teams in the NFL over their last stretch of games. They have yet to face an opponent like the Niners in about a month. And if you're a betting guy who looks into what the Vegas lines uh, indicate, the 49ers are favored to win that game. Moving on to the chiefs Bengals, do people forget the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Chiefs twice last year? I don't know if any other team in the NFL, has beaten the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs team twice in one year, other than the Cincinnati Bengals. They beat them in the regular season, and then they beat them when it mattered most in the AFC Championship. That game is in Cincinnati, and that is expected to be incredibly close, indication from the Vegas Lions. The Bengals are only two-point underdogs in that one. So we have two very incredible matchups. And the cool thing is those are the two best games of the weekend, and they both have a major factor in the Bills' playoff seating. And to the people who think that that's impossible to happen, I just showed you how close it really is to potentially happening. Now, a couple other scenarios could, of course, occur. Um, if the Chiefs lose and the Dolphins win, the Bills will be the two-seed. And if the Bengals win and the Dolphins lose, the Bills will be the two-seed. So even, even if the honeypot scenario doesn't come to fruition, the Bills are still going to be in position to have a home playoff game by the end of Sunday if we get a couple of variables to work our way. If the Dolphins win and the Chiefs win, then you're pretty much exactly where you are today. But the Bills still have a game left against the Dolphins, so that can take care of things if we don't get what we are ultimately desiring on Sunday. So the Bills go into uh, the weekend here with a much needed mini buy, so to speak. And the next time they'll go out on the field will be a rematch against the New York Jets. And that's going to be a bit of a different look than we saw the last time. This is a newly led New York Jets team with legendary corner uh, quarterback Mike White. Now, I think if I remember correctly. This happened, This similar situation happened either last. Was it last year? It was last year. If you remember correctly, last year I think Zach Wilson got hurt and Mike White had came out and played the week prior to the Bills facing the Jets in New Jersey, and that was when the legend of Mike White was born. If you remember last year, the the Jets fans thought he was the next coming of John Elway and. And that's kind of how that whole thing started. But then the following week, I'm almost positive because I was at the game at MetLife. And I'm almost positive remembering uh, that I wanted to see Mike White because I was busting stones with Jets fans there. They thought it was funny, too, because they're just like, dude, whatever. But I think Flacco wound up playing that game. And the Bills kicked the living shit out of the Jets that ge- that day in uh, in MetLife Stadium. So that'll be interesting. Mike White had an incredible game against the Chicago Bears, but then again, it's the Chicago Bears. We should see a much more competitive game for the New York Jets this week as they play the Vikings, but let's not forget the Vikings' defense, in particular their pass defense, is bad. Josh Allen had one of his best stat lines of the year against the Jets, through, or the, uh, the Vikings, rather, through the air. Mac Jones, as I was speaking on earlier in the show, he looked incredible against those Minnesota Vikings. You saw what he looks like against a top-tier defense like the Buffalo Bills have last night i mean that could not have been more polar opposite Uh, seriously mac jones last night 22 and 36 for 195 and a passer rating of 84.8 against the uh saints or excuse me the uh the vikings he had almost 400 yards and triple the amount of touchdowns so big difference there huge difference another thing too that i didn't really touch on much that i just want to make note of real quick here uh the Bills' rush defense, yet again, has just – they've been standing on their head recently, which is wild because they had been getting run over in multiple games post by. But the last several games, they did a really good job, I thought, of, of mitigating the run attack that the Detroit Lions possess, and they have one of the best uh, running back tandems in the league. Did a good job there. The best running back tandem in the league in Cleveland. The Bills did a great job of shutting that down. And, uh, you know, the, the running game for the Patriots isn't like I think the tier is of those two. But, you know, Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson uh, is serviceable and they only ran the ball 14 times last night, mainly because they were down, but they still only held the Patriots to 60 total yards on the ground. I don't care if you're not running the ball that much or not. You'll take that any day of the week in any scenario. So, like I was talking about, the Bills next time out will be at home. And the great thing here, too, about this, um, you know, what they have put behind them and then what they have to look forward to here. You know, the rant I was going on earlier about the situation they had found themselves in the last couple of weeks over that 12-day period, all three games on the road and all the uh you know the adversity they had to overcome. The beauty here is yes, you do have uh two upcoming divisional games and an additional Divisional game to end the season, another matchup with the New England Patriots. All three of their remaining divisional games, including the two coming up over the next two weeks, are at home. That is awesome. The Bills have two straight home games here. So they're really getting, it's funny how things are panning out here. It's almost like some sort of reward for what they had to go through the last 12 days. They get this mini buy here, and then they'll be home uh, for the Jets game. And then the following week they'll be home for the Miami Dolphins game before they go on the road to take on the Chicago Bears on uh, Christmas Eve. Interesting note about the Dolphins-Bills game in a couple of weeks. Be on the lookout for what the NFL decides to do with that game. As it stands right now it has not been locked into a date or a time slot yet. It's uh, to be determined and that's what it's been since the schedule came out, this is the way things go towards the end of the season. The NFL has the right to flex games and not of positions that they think seem fit based on the matchup. And then they can uh, put games in a Saturday or Sunday window um, on that particular weekend. And if you're looking towards that weekend, right? So that would be week 15 uh, of the NFL season. You take a look at the schedule and you scroll through it, Bills-Dolphins is the best game on there. So what does that mean? Well, I think you have a very good chance of seeing the Bills be flexed into either Sunday night at home against the Dolphins or Saturday night, which that could potentially happen as well. I could also see the Saturday night primetime slot hosting that game as well. Either way, I really do feel that that Bills-Dolphins matchup in Buffalo Week 15 is going to be a primetime game. It just depends on whether it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. The Sunday game is 100% being flexed out. It's just a matter of who the NFL wants to put in there because as it stands right now, it's Patriots-Raiders. Nobody wants to watch that. The Raiders are four and seven. The Patriots are six and six. Depending on what happens this coming weekend, it could be even worse. The Patriots already played. uh, So then they got to play the game next weekend and then following that. So you got two weeks now before that game, it could get even worse. Either way, the playoff implications there are going to be bleak. The only person, the only team in in that fight that could be potentially fighting for it is New England. They're not out of it by any stretch, but the Raiders are four and seven. They'd essentially have to win out to have even a chance to get in. So that game's going to get flexed out. And you look at the the schedule, uh, the Thursday night game that week is San Fran and uh, Seattle. Now that's a hell of a game, but that's Thursday night, so that's staying there. And these other matchups are just, ugh, they're, they're bad, you know? Steelers, Panthers, Eagles, Bears, Chiefs, Texans, Cowboys, Jags. Lions, Jets, Cardinals, Broncos. So you go through here. The only decent game uh, is Bengals-Bucks at 425. And I I bet you CBS locks that in because I think they have the right to do that in that time window. You can 100% expect to see the Bills be playing the Miami Dolphins at home in primetime. Just a matter of whether it's a Sunday slot or a Saturday slot. Nine and three as it stands right now. I'm very confident about next week with a rest period here, a mini buy, and then a rematch with the Jets. I mean, can you fathom the Bills losing two to the Jets? I certainly can, especially with the second one being at home. Had every opportunity in the world to win the first one. It didn't go their way, but you have to feel like they are going to right their wrongs in the second opportunity to face off against that team. I mean, folks, we are, uh, you know, nine and three right now with week 13 coming to its close, this Bills team only has five remaining games. And four of them are must-see TV. Think about it. <laughs> four of these remaining games are lights-out good. Bills-Jets, Bills-Dolphins, Bills-Bangles, Bills-Patriots. It's going to be a hell of a closer here. It's going to be a hell of a run to the end. And I'll tell you what, that Bills-Bangles game, not to get ahead of ourselves, but that is one month from tonight, and it's about one month from the exact time slot. Monday night, Bills-Bangles, 8.30 p.m., and guess who's going to that game? This guy. That game is in Cincinnati. I've never been to the Bengals stadium, and I'm going with a bunch of my really good buddies who are all diehard Bills fans. Luckily for us, uh, our good buddy Nate, his girlfriend just so happens to live in Cincy, so we got a place to shack up uh, for the night for free, which can't beat that. Anyhow, though, I can't wait for that game. I've always kind of wondered what the, the the Bengals fan base seems pretty good, but I've always kind of wondered what they're like because I don't I don't really know many. I only I think I only know off the top of my head, man, maybe maybe two Bengals fans in my life. So that's gonna be a show. I'm stoked for that. But we got a lot to take care of uh, before that. As we wind down here, a couple of things I wanted to talk about just off the cuff, not necessarily relating to the bills, just based on my, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to just end the night here on a Friday because it's, you know, it's Friday. A little more casual than usual. Not that we're not typically casual. I mean, this is YouTube. We're not on uh, CNBC here. A couple things last night that I just, oh my God. Uh, so this is going to be like my nice little bitch sesh to round out so I can just unload because let me just say this last night. It was the worst viewing experience I have ever had in my entire life watching football. I, I fantasized ripping the television off the wall and using that as a sled down the local Hill here until that thing disintegrated. I mean, I had fantasized about office spacing, that damn television i mean look this is the future i'm a huge tech guy the people who know me best in my life know that i'm obsessed with tech i love you know i love computers and and, and gadgets and stuff i'm all about it and i all i'm all about the future of things right i'm like i'm a big uh, the nfl all day that you see the commercials for the um the digital collectibles i love that i'm like way too into that um was my point? Oh, I, I love all this stuff. Like I love all the you know, the future stuff, the, the the way things are going. And ultimately that encapsulates the way that we are going to be watching football. And what you're seeing now with the uh Amazon situation, that's what it's going to be for every game, not too long from now. It's going to be on a streaming service. There's going to come a, a time where Apple's going to throw their ring into the their their hat into the ring. Maybe Google throws their hat into the ring. Facebook throws their hat into the ring. There's too much money here. There's too much money. Bezos paid about double, I think, what Fox was paying for the Thursday night rights. And he had to because the, the NFL knew that they were going to lose a lot of viewership on these Thursday night games because they're not easily accessible. Typically in the past, you just turn on Fox on a Thursday night and there's the game. And you, you only have to have the cheapest, most basic cable package to watch Fox. So that, of course, is going to boost the numbers up. Anybody can watch it literally from anywhere. I mean, you could have a Zenith 1972 black and white television and you could have watched Thursday night football. A little bit different of a a scenario now. Now you got to have an Amazon Prime membership, which, look, it's 2022, man. If you don't have an Amazon Prime membership – you know, your, your, your time machine back to the 1800s is waiting for you. I mean, get on it. I don't know how you can live without one of those, man. I haven't bought something from a store in like eight years. Why the hell would I? I can go on my phone, anything on the planet that I am even remotely interested is on there. Two clicks and that thing's on my door in less than 48 hours. So you gotta have that. You got to have, a, uh, you know, an internet connection, which, once again, I mean, if you don't have an internet connection, one, you're not watching this. So, you know, I don't really, you know, screw, screw you, I guess, really. But not only do you have to have an internet connection, you have to have a good internet connection. You can't, you can't be running dial-up over here expecting to watch this game. And then you got to have a smart TV or something that is, you know, capable of, of putting the game on your television. You got to have a Roku or an Apple, you know, uh, an Apple TV or a smart TV. Now, I got all of those boxes checked. All right. I am in the 20th or uh, whatever century. I am in the future. None of that's a problem. Okay. Here's my problem. And I just knew it was going to happen. I just, I, I, I knew it. And, and it's funny, you can go fact check this. I tweeted this out, I think two months ago. Maybe even three months ago. There was, it was one of the first Thursday night, you know, it, it, it was like the second week of the year. I, I, I tweeted out, I said, because I was watching a Thursday night game and the broadcast was trash. It was going in and out. It was glitching like crazy. It was buffering, and it was pissing me off. And I tweeted, if this shit happens during the Bills game when they play on Thursday night, I am going to rip my television off the wall and use that thing as a trampoline. And what happened? Every week after that, it was crystal clear. Every week. Beautiful. It was like watching the game on a beautiful lake, crystal clear, blue colors, right? Whatever the hell. It was glorious. I had no problems, no buffering, no lag, no nothing. It was fine. You know damn well what happened last night. I cannot emphasize enough how unbelievably terrible this was last night. When it was playing, it was like watching Tech Bowl. Everybody was blurred out, fuzzier than shit. It was just unbelievable. I, I could not fathom it. And then it would come back to normal, and then it would do that again. It would come back to normal, and it would do that again. And then you'd get the dreaded blue spinning wheel of death, and it would just spin and spin and spin and spin, and then it would come back. So then we had to resort to another television my, and we, we had to go to the other room. Now, how, how about this? The one room, and this is even when it was going on, you know, normally when it was both playing, the one room was four plays ahead of the other room. So, I, so this is what I was doing all night. I, I, I swear to God, I wanted to put my fist through the wall. I was running from one room to the next. That room would buff out. I'd run to the other room, run back to the other room, run to the other room. And then finally, I go, dude, I've had enough. I've had enough. And I don't know why I didn't do this earlier, but I went and I just ripped the router out of the wall. I ripped it out of the wall. And I said, look, at it. You, know, you know the age-old tech solution for anything. Unplug it, plug it back in, right? You ever go over to, like, your grandmother's house or something? And she's like, "Oh, oh, sweetheart, I can't get the... I can't get the cable box to work and you're like grandma don't worry look at i'm like larry the cable guy over here right you unplug it you plug it back in and she's like oh you are just a genius or like my mom for instance i can't i can't get on the netflix because she doesn't know how to hit the damn hdmi button and i'm like step aside let the king through right and you hit the hdmi input button boop boop beep and then you're the hero right the other solution of course Unplug it, plug it back in, and guess what? Crystal clear, beautiful the whole time. But I just found it hilarious that every single week up until last night, I had no problems. I didn't have to unplug anything. I didn't have to check anything. Last night it was terrible, and I was so frustrated about it that I didn't really think of any adequate solutions until later in the game that I went and unplugged it, and then there it was. So, look, I'm all about it. A lot of it's probably on me right? I need to be, I need to be better equipped. I need to make sure that the internet is up to par, but that is the aspect of watching digitally that is frustrating. And I think ultimately it's why I haven't made the full switch yet um, to the, to the internet cable services. Now I'm moving to Connecticut with my girlfriend in January and we're not paying for cable. You can forget it. And I'm going to do the YouTube TV. And I think that's what a lot of people do now, but I'm, I'm just, I, I, I'm hesitant about it because the one thing that is completely consistent I've found with these services is that they are always a play or two behind when it comes to cable than than when it what it is on cable. And I just don't know why that is really. I mean, it's not like the internet is inept, and it's not like we're not at the point now where literally everything we do revolves an internet connection. So I would have thought by now um it would be. Just as good, but I I've, I've done this before where I'll have like red zone streaming and then I'll have the, the bills game will end. And then I'll put red zone up on the normal TV. And the normal TV is always at least 30 seconds to a minute ahead. Whatever. I mean, if this isn't the most first world problem type shit, I don't know what is. I mean, I mean, who am I? Right. You know, and Dustin's coming here. He's like, all of it's on you, bot. Well, Hey Dustin, I'm just a big old dumbass, Aren't I? Well, you're right, it is on me. Because I tweeted this out last night and people were like, oh, I'm fine. And that, and that's the problem, too. You can't bitch about it, really. And then I'm not not ragging on Dustin here because he's not the only one. But you tweet it out. And then, of course, when you bitch about this, you are just opening yourself up. For, for some reason, everybody loves to just rip on everybody else's internet connection, right? Like when you're playing Call of Duty with the boys, oh, it's your internet connection, right? Or when you're on the phone, you're on FaceTime with your girl or something that's cutting out, oh, it's your internet connection. It's always that. And then I tweeted this out last night, and there was a bunch of people that were saying that they were fine. But then there were others who were saying that they had problems, so I'm guessing they're just a big dummy like I am, and their, their internet connection was just not... Why didn't I just unplug it and plug it back in sooner? I don't know. All right, let's 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 transition from the broadcast last night, uh, the things that I wanted to bitch about, and then the things I want to rave about, because I... Look, I've been very critical of the Thursday night broadcast. I have not liked it, and here's a couple reasons why. One, the games have been terrible. That's just a fact. Two, I'm not used to the Al Michaels. I'm see, I'm very, um, I'm very picky with my broadcast crew. I don't like that stuff getting messed with. I think that games. And maybe I'm just weird like this, but I I'm I've been heavily into broadcasting my whole life. I just it's always fascinated me. I majored in it in college. I do this, you know, like I just love the I love the industry. And I've always felt that a broadcast can absolutely 100% elevate a game. I've always thought that the way a broadcast is carried out can make a game infinitely better than if it's carried out in a poor way. And so I've always loved what NBC has done. I have felt over the years that they had by far had the best overall quality of broadcast from the graphics package to the you know football night in America. And then, of course, the go Al Michaels. And I don't care what you guys say, because I know I get shit for this all the time. Chris Collinsworth is incredibly good. OK, he's great. He knows so much. And yes, it, does he just want to give Patrick Mahomes the biggest hug of all time? You know, every other, every other snap. And he just wants to talk about how he's the second coming of Christ. Yes, of course. But look at, okay. Chris Collinsworth is really good. And him and Al Michaels will go down as one of, if not the best tandem in the booth ever. It's way it really was that they were goaded, man. They were goaded. And I like, I love Kirk Street. But things are weird with him too because I grew up with Kirk Herbstreit and my all-time favorite play-by-play man. Brett Musburger. You are looking live. Brett Musburger on Saturday Night Primetime College Football growing up was my idol. Now he stepped down from that, you know, major role, but he's all but he's now the main uh, he's he's like he's the Buffalo Bills Murph. John Murphy, he's uh, that equivalent for the Las Vegas Raiders. He is the voice of the Raiders on the uh, on the radio. Um, but I I loved Kirk Herbstreit coming up because of his relationship on air with Brent Musburger. I just oh my god, Brent Musburger, I get chills right now thinking about it. Like when I just said that, looking live, I just because my me and my family are Penn State fans, I just think back on it. You know, like the lights would be on, the camera would pan in from the top. Of Beaver Stadium during hundred and ten thousand people sold out whiteout, and you'd see that, and then you'd hear Brett Musburger say, "You are looking live at Beaver Stadium in Happy Valley, Pennsylvania," and you just, I dude, look at, I got major chills right there, like dude, I just love that shit, man. So, you know, Brett Musburger moved on, and and then of course Kirk Herbstreit also moved on as well. And he's up in the booth now um, with, uh, I always forget his name. Um, I want to say Reese Davis, but it's not. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but I've gotten used to them. It's fine. But, you know, I, I, I identify Kirk Street with college football. So hearing him do the NFL, it just feels weird. And then on top of that, him being with Al Michaels, who has been with Collinsworth, my entire life the whole thing just feels inauthentic to me does that make sense maybe I'm out of my damn mind I know I'm out of my damn mind but I I hope I'm making some sort of sense here it just doesn't feel right and on top of that and I think Al Michaels might be the first to admit it because he is not holding back any punches he he seems like he's just had a little bit of enough right? I mean, they threw him probably more money than you'll see in 10 lifetimes. And I'll see in 10 lifetimes to go from NBC to Amazon. So I can't blame the guy, but he is at the tail end of his career here. He's an old man. For God's sakes, Al Michaels, do you believe in miracles? I mean, that was how long ago Al Michaels has been doing this, right? That, I mean, the goat, one of the goats, and I just, I, I think another, another element of it is it's a little sad to me because I really hope that, you know, Al Michaels would just kind of go off into the sunset the way I had always saw him. And I just see him now with Herbstry and that feels a little weird. There's the, the chemistry isn't all there. And then he's getting these dog shit games and you can tell he just wants to go home. How many times have you watched the Thursday night game this year? And Al Michaels, I mean, let's face it. It's kind of like what, what, uh, um, uh, like what Costanza says in uh, Seinfeld, where he's like, the sea was angry that day, friends, like an old man returning soup at a deli. Al Michaels sounds like an old man returning soup at a deli during a lot of these Thursday night games. And I can't blame him. I'm sitting there watching these games, and I'm like, dude, this sucks. He's got to stay there and be attentive for every single snap. And I just think that it, it, it's noticeable, and for that reason, it's ultimately the viewer, the viewing experience, isn't all that great. On top of that, it's all the internet stuff going into it that I don't particularly love, based on the things I spoke earlier. But I'm I'm gonna have to come around to that at some point. And then you know, I think the pre and post game things are weird. Like why why is first of all last night who who was that guy the the the, the musical artist they kept plugging and well. Who who is N Well? Am I? Uh, do you do any? Do you guys know who that is? I mean, I love like music's like my second favorite thing to sports. Uh, but I, sorry, I don't know. And why is Two Chains? This is like their post game. Two Chains has a random artist. One week it was Kane Brown. So you got a rapper and a country singer, and and all it was, Two Chains walks out and gives him a jersey, and then it ends. And I'm like, what, what was the point of that? What is this? You've been plugging it all game. Like, make sure to stick around for Two Chains post game with Anwell. And you're like, first of all, who the hell is Anwell? And second of all, are they gonna like perform? Are they gonna do something? And no, it's just two chains sitting in a chair with him and he gives him a a leather jacket and uh, back to you, Carissa Thompson. So I don't know. It's kind of like when Monday Night Football was doing that. (laughs) What were they doing there? (laughs) What were they doing there for the longest time? The, The GMC, what was it? The GMC halftime show. And it was a music video. You remember that? I think they got, they definitely got rid of it. You remember, I think it was last year, two years ago. And poor Susie Calvert was like, and now we go to uh, the Goo, Goo Dolls with the GMC halftime show. And it would be like a black and white music video. And you're like, what is this, man? What are they doing? That's kind of how this feels, except it's even worse because they're not playing any music. So I don't know what's going on there. I preface all of this because last night, as you can tell, I had my... Complaints, I guess, for lack of a better term, about the Thursday night broadcast with uh, uh, on on Amazon Prime. And last night, the post-game show for Amazon Prime was the greatest I have ever seen on any broadcast ever. I mean, the amount of things that happened after that game were just extraordinary, and it could not have been it could not have been a better, like the dessert after a great meal, right? The Bills win—that's the meal—and you got that delicious chef's kiss type dessert afterwards with the post game, right? So you got you got Fitzy out there, you got Tony Gonzalez, Richard Sherman, and. Um, Uh, and Andrew Whitworth, and then they always bring on the player of the game. And I tweeted out before the game, I go, listen, man, the world is going to be given a real treat if the Bills win tonight, because that means Josh Allen's going to be sitting down with Fitzy. And it was awesome, right? Josh Allen comes out. He's got the Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey on. Listen, Josh Allen knows how to play a crowd. That man, no dummy. He knows how to play a crowd. Remember in the the preseason, what did Josh Allen do? He ran out on the field with the red helmet. Why? Because that was the big trending thing amongst Bills Mafia. Because everybody was getting their alternate helmets. The Bills didn't do one. Everybody, including myself, wanted the red helmet, still wants the red helmet. And what did Josh Allen do, man? He runs out there with it, and everybody was having a field day over it. So he is no dummy, man. That guy gets it. That's That's another reason to love him. And he comes out with the Fitzy jersey on. That was sweet, right? And he comes down he sits down. They're having fun. He, he he creates on the spot a handshake with Tony Gonzalez. And then they do it and they execute it perfectly. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I there's no way they're going to nail this, right? Because I know I wouldn't nail it. Like, I feel like that's got to be tough. First try, they nail it. So Josh Allen, he's out there making handshakes with Tony Gonzalez. And then... You know he's shooting the the crap with uh, Fitzpatrick. Now I think somebody asked Josh Allen, and I'm not entirely sure on this, but I think this is the way this this whole thing went down. I think one of the panel members said to Josh Allen, he they asked him um, what kind of influence Fitzpatrick had on him as a player, or whatever. And I mean, I think we all knew <laughs> the answer was not none, none, right? But those two are they they're buddies. You can I mean you can tell Fitzie and Josh Allen have a good relationship. So Ryan Fitzpatrick says this. And I swear to God, I belly laughed, like wheezing laughed for about 2 straight minutes. <laughs> so Ryan Fitzpatrick says, Ryan Fitzpatrick says that Lee Smith one time came up to him and said to said to him, "Josh Allen has a lot of the same qualities you have." but he's talented dude that the way he said it and it, it just killed me and just when you thought you couldn't laugh enough and didn't think that was good enough fitzy goes the producers are telling me that i i got something to give you and i'm thinking it might be like I don't know, a football or maybe some some sort of food or something. I don't know what they're going to do. This was my last guess right here. I mean, we were gifted the meme of the year. Josh Allen in the Thursday night football big hat. I mean, look at that right there. The face, the hat, the double hat. Do you realize it's not oftentimes you get to watch the birth of, like, an internet trend. That image right there, if you're a Bills fan and you're involved in the Bills communities and stuff online, you will be seeing that picture right there until the end of time. That will be everywhere and anywhere, nonstop, forever. It is immortalized into the Bills ether and it was just absolutely lights out hilarious i mean you got josh allen in a fitzy jersey wearing a hat that's the size of a of a four door sedan and i just thought it was incredible and you're like okay that was great you know time to hit the hay they weren't done for some random no reason at all because the bills didn't play in Buffalo. They played in new England for literally no reason at all. They go, okay, now it's time to go to, to Marshawn Lynch. Who's back in Buffalo for a night on the town. And I'm like, wait, what, why they're not even in Buffalo. I mean, it would have made sense if they were in Buffalo and you're like doing, you know, your, your standard thing that they always do. Like, you know, the guarantee when the Bills are on primetime in Buffalo, you're going to get a shot of Duff's wings. You're going to get a shot of the Niagara Falls. Like death taxes video footage of wings and Niagara Falls when the Bills are playing on primetime. So that would have made some sort of sense. This didn't really make any sense, but I'm like, okay, I'm in because Marshawn Lynch is freaking hilarious. And then they get Kenny Main to narrate this piece. And Kenny is, is one of the funniest sports center anchors to ever do it. I mean, when I was coming up, Kenny Maine's like dry sarcasm and whatnot is just incredibly hilarious. And there it was; they had Marshawn Lynch go back out and recreate his iconic video when he was in Buffalo of going to Applebee's and then going to Dave and Buster's. Except this time, it was narrated by Kenny Maine, and I cried laughing for two, three minutes straight. So not only did we get to watch an awesome dominant victory over the our hated New England Patriots, we got to watch all of that afterwards. And among everything, Thursday Night football and the broadcast has now found found their way into my heart after a lot of criticism that I've had for it from the viewing experience over the last several weeks. It was just awesome. The whole thing, and it made up for it and some all the crap I was struggling with throughout the game, trying to stream it properly. It was all made up for afterwards. That post game was just legendary. Bartek's wondering, uh, Bartek's asking, uh, can we watch that video segment somewhere still? I guarantee I'll just try it right now for you, my brother. I I guarantee if you just Google Marshawn Lynch, Buffalo, Applebee's. (laughs) You can't make this shit up. Uh, Yep. Bartek, just Google it. It uh, It is right there. Pops right up, and it is worth your time. I and that's I, to everybody out there who hasn't watched it yet. Do yourself a favor. It, 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 it's funny enough just with Marshawn Lynch, but it's taken to the to the next level with the commentary from uh, from Kenny Mayne. Uh It's awesome stuff. Wow, nine forty two on a Friday. I love it. Friday nights are fun, especially after, you know, last night with the victory. You get the weekend ahead of you. And we got some good college football on tomorrow, too. I think the uh the college football slick gets like it's crazy tomorrow because we start to uh, we start to get into the conference championships. Wow, you know what? I did not whoa, I didn't know that uh Utah was playing USC tonight. I didn't know that was tonight, the uh Pac twelve title game. I had no clue. Got a ton of cool, t- a ton of great title games on tomorrow, though. We got uh, Kansas State, TCU, LSU, Georgia. Man, go Tigers. I'd love to see that. Clemson, UNC. And then, listen, the Big Ten has got to figure out their divisions within the conference because somehow Purdue is playing against Michigan tomorrow. I mean, don't even bother turning that one on. Holy crap. That is just pitiful. But that's what happens when you put Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State in the same division within the conference. And the best team on the other side is Wisconsin, and they lay an absolute egg this year. So a lot of good college football on tomorrow and I guess tonight because, I shit, I had no clue. And, uh, and then, thank you, Bartek. Yes, how could I forget? The USA on tomorrow, the World Cup against the Netherlands. The U.S. finally breaks through into the uh, – into the knockout round for the World Cup with that sweater of a game the other day uh, against Iran. Got the w one nothing, and then here we go, baby, USA on tomorrow against the Netherlands. So we got great college football. We got the World Cup. And then, like I've been saying all show, probably one of the best slates of NFL football on Sunday. And all of that can be enjoyed stress-free because the Buffalo Bills have already gotten the w out of the way I absolutely love it and I love the fact that you guys decided to spend your Friday night with me what a way to enter into the weekend we get a Bills W I get to spend some time with you tonight on a Friday and we ride into this weekend with a ton of great sports to watch before we round it out here James coming in with a final super chat he's saying who you got Bengals Chiefs and Niners fans man I I think you know who I want you know who I want I think the Niners beat the the Dolphins. I really do. I'm confident in that one. I think the Niners are clicking on all cylinders. I think that they are going to get the job done there. Bengals Chiefs is interesting. Bengals are hitting stride. Jamar Chase, if Jamar Chase plays, it's going to be a hell of a game. I have to lean Chiefs. The last time that they played, it knocked the Chiefs out of the championship game and you got to wonder or you got to think that the, the Chiefs are going in there with a lot to avenge going to lean Chiefs, but you know damn well I'm rooting for the Bengals in that one. You all should be too. Go out and get your Andy Dalton throwback Bengals jersey dry clean. Go get your Jimmy G jersey dry clean because we got some football to root for on Sunday. Like I said, thanks so much for spending your Friday with me and kicking off the weekend in style here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. I'll be back with you in just a few short days. Monday night, same place, same time, 8 p.m. Smoke break on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel Monday night. Hopefully, we're recapping a 49ers dub, a Bengals dub, and the Bills' current spot as number one seed, the AFC. I'll talk to you then. Enjoy the awesome slate of sports this weekend. Enjoy the weekend in its totality, and I'll be back with you Monday, and we'll talk then. Thanks so much, as always, everybody. And as always, go bells.
1: for you, come on. We'll think of another place. Come with me, let's have a